Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday, Takes on Takes edition of the show. My favorite thing we do every week. Looking forward to it. You guys filled it up with some outstanding stuff to for us to get into today. Kyle, welcome. How are we doing? Hi, Jill. Uh, I do have a complaint for you. Oh, good. That's what I like to start every show with, a nice complaint. I did not realize that you do Twitter Tuesday on Locked On Bills. Yeah. It's a little hackneyed, isn't it? A little what? It's the same It's the same concept on two separate shows. Really? Um, so, first of all... Uh, and I the, the vocabulary you, word I used was hackneyed. Which what does it the mean? definition is lacking significance through having been overused, unoriginal, and trite. What if I? I mean, I so came up with. I came original. up with takes on takes. Oh, we've been using it for two years. Yeah, and I started another podcast, and it's a great show. And people give me honestly, it's a little bit different. People give me questions more or less for Twitter Tuesday, whereas this is more like people making statements. But it's, the, the goal's the same. It's about interacting. I guess. Yeah. This feels a little hackneyed to me. You know? What do you want me to do, Kyle? Cancel uh, Twitter Tuesday? Yeah. Okay. Just move it to a different day. No. I know Twitter Tuesday, the alliteration makes more sense. So. I can do Twitter Thursday. No, that's not going to work. We can do takes on takes on Thursday. No. We're not no. moving thoughts. All right. So I guess we'll uh, status quo will continue. As a reminder, you can get Draft Dudes on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and tell that smart device to play podcast Draft Dudes. So I guess I'm giving you this first take, huh? You ought to. I think that's the think that's the uh, the objective here with this NC State take for an NC State homer and Joe Marino. Yeah. From Josh Overcash, good friend of both of ours, Josh Overcash. Emeka Amezi will not outperform Calvin Harmon's 2018 numbers with a new quarterback leading the pack. I see what he did there. But Amezi will still be drafted in the top 100 like Harmon should have been last year. So here's the challenging part of this take, right? Like between Jacoby Myers and Calvin Harmon, both of those receivers that – we liked as a staff collectively at TDN. And then it would, did Myers even get drafted? I don't think he got drafted. 
And then Harmon goes in the sixth freaking round. So that kind of stuff really makes you think, right? And I like Amezi a ton. He's a guy that pops quite a bit. He had 616 receiving yards last year on an offense that featured, you know, two guys ahead of him in the pecking order in Myers and Harmon. So I get excited about some of the flashes I've seen with Amezi. You see a lot of the alpha mentality type stuff, those contested situations that you saw with Harmon. I think he might be a better athlete than Harmon. So I think that this makes a lot of sense in terms of, all right, he's a more athletic, similar skill set than Harmon, but is he going to go in the top 100? And Harmon went in the sixth round. And this is a really, really, really good receiver year coming up. I think he'll get drafted higher than Harmon, but I'm not sure he's a top 100 lock. And that's the genesis, honestly, is just because I'm scared based on how the NFL valued Myers and Harmon coming from the same same team. Kyle. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Jeff Jackson the second says Vaughn and Chubb, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb will combine for less than 32 sacks. No, 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 no. I'm not doing any Broncos takes. Why? What's up with that? I've been harassed for my take that the Broncos were going to finish like seven and nine and potentially last place by more than just me. Yes. Really? Got a DM this morning at four fifty nine in the morning. Wow. Keep, keep sleeping on the Broncos. You expletive DM <laughs> and uh, proceeded to got the conversation got really weird and I don't want to set this guy back off again. He's, he's leaving me alone right now. So, um, I can't, I can't give a response to that take. All right. Well, here, look, I'm just, I'm just kidding. The answer is yes. Of course. They, 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 they will. They, <laughs> yes. Uh, they will combine for less than 32 sacks. That's very aggressive. I think they'll get close between 26 and 30. If you were setting the over under, Oh and yeah, you, I like this. What, yeah. What, would you, what would you put it at? Assuming health, obviously. Assuming health, twenty-seven and a half. You taking the over the under? Oh, it's tough. I mean, you're counting on. I mean, you're counting on two guys to like get like fourteen sacks. They'd have to yeah. average fourteen sacks combined. Yeah, that's how math works. Well, you know, I'm not a great math guy, so I was happy that I pulled it off in my head. All right, first of all. So let me just enjoy that. So Von Miller and his career has he – let's see. Let's see what his – he's had 14 – taking this one to heart. Okay. Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't had 14 sacks. He had it in 2018 and then in 2012. But Bradley Chubb had 12 last year. So you're basically counting on like I'll take the under. I'll take the under on that. Not convincingly, but I'll take the under. Okay, that's good. Okay, we have a tattle take. <laughs> who, who turned us? Who turned us in on this, this oh. dumbass take that we're getting yelled at for here? Was it, I forgot to put the name. Was it Cameron? It was Cam. Yeah. Uh, the take is Kyle and Joe's list of potential college football champs in the next 10 years exhibited almost no foresight 10 years ago, very few would have predicted Georgia Clemson to be legit contenders. Their lists were more like a five-year window. Cameron Spencer's the name there. Um, I'm not sure he's wrong. 
I think we went with teams that we were kind of safe, kind of safe options. And the challenging thing here is, can you predict the next Dabo Swinney like emerging like that type, how he turned around Clemson? And I just don't know how to predict that or forecast that. So yeah, I think collectively we were pretty safe with the 12 teams that made the mutual yes list. And certainly we're thinking more about that five-year window uh, because it's hard to project that far out. But I don't know how we could have been more open and show more foresight without really just throwing darts. Right. And then Cameron responded, and I give Cameron credit because uh, I had asked him, I said, hey, man, why don't you give us your list? And he gave us his list, and I mean, I, I – I, I could be critical of a lot of things on there. I mean, he had Colorado on that list. Uh, he had he went for Oregon and Stanford, uh, TCU, West Virginia, NC State. You know, I I think there's probably two in there that that I think you can make a compelling argument for the two Pac-12 schools, Stanford and Oregon, because within the past ten years or so, they've they have been eleven win programs. And he gave the benefit of the doubt to Wisconsin and Michigan State and Penn State. And Texas A&M, we, we talked, we had a good discussion about Texas A&M. It wasn't that we don't think they're going to be a good football team. Their path to get there every year is impossible. And they've got to battle the in-state recruiting. Right. So being I, in the same state as Texas. and we, we had a good process in our discussion. It's always about the process, Joe. Don't yeah. let them drag you down. Of course. Don't not. let them do it. All right. You're up here. Let's see here. What do we got? Um Andrew Tate, he says, every other quarterback has the same success at Brady in the Patriots other than maybe Johnny Football because the system works. Belichick is the true genius for creating the system that works so well. Tom Brady is plug and play. I'm going to disagree with this take. It might be a hot take, but I'm going to disagree. Now, I do think that the infrastructure and the – I guess the culture to use the the cliche, the culture in New England uh, goes a very long way in making it to the point where when Tom Brady tears, tears his ACL in 2008, the team can go 11 and five with Matt Castle and Matt Castle is terrible everywhere else. So I, I don't think that it's turnkey, but I do think Belichick has a lot of credit to be given to him for how consistent the team has been despite all the other moving pieces and Tom Brady being one of the, the the consistent variables in play. I think it's a perfect marriage. Joe, I said this at your wedding, right? Any dynasty is is typically going to be featured with a, a great pairing of a quarterback and a head coach. And I think each one of them separately, the sum would not be equal to what their sum is together if they were with other people. I think that's fair. The one thing that I would add, Kyle, is I believe this for like the first five years of Tom Brady's career. Sure. And then 15 years after that, I have no choice but to believe that this is Tom Brady, what he does is special. You watch him play, you're like, why can't every team just get a jitterbug slot guy, ISO'd on a linebacker, give him an option route, and dink and dunk you all the way down the football field? But it's never been replicated, and no, and, and we have no evidence that anybody else can do it. I, I don't know, man. I have the utmost respect for Tom Brady. Now I'm sick of his ass. He can retire tomorrow. That would make me really happy. 
but I'm not taking anything away from what he's been able to do in the NFL. Take from Mitch. Liam Eichenberg is the best offensive tackle in the 2020 class. Have you done any work on him? He's the Notre Dame uh, left tackle. I have not done any work on him to date. No. I haven't either, but I have done work on Andrew Thomas, the, the tackle from Georgia. And my gosh, he's awesome. So right now, that's the standard when I think OT1. I'll have to get to Liam Eikenberg and, and give you some feedback on that, but I am swooning over the tape that I watched from Andrew Thomas at Georgia last year. Uh, Kyle, this comes from Jared Feinberg. We The Panthers, man, the, the keep oh, pounding. Dear. The Panthers nation is hot about this Gerald McCoy signing. He said the Panthers signing Gerald McCoy makes their offseason one of the best in the league, and it will help them win the NFC South title this year. Well, I just did for studs and duds yesterday my predictions for winners and last place finishers in every division, and I picked the Panthers to finish in last place. (laughs) So I disagree with this take. Can I – I disagree with it as well, but if I could say something here, I think that the Panthers, for the resources they had, I thought they did a really good job this offseason. They were able to – disagree. They were able to bring in Matt Paradis, bring back Daryl Williams – and really improve that offensive line in a couple of different spots. Bruce Irvin, as an experienced pass rusher, was a good pickup. Finding a way to get Gerald McCoy, obviously restructuring Torrey Smith's deal. I think that the Panthers, for basically having limited resources, got better this offseason, although you have to remember this is a team that lost Ryan Khalil, Julius Peppers, big-time leadership-type players in this locker room from last year's squad. I, I agree with you in that. I think that they're probably more towards the bottom of this position, this this division. But if Cam, if Cam's going to be twenty fifteen, Cam, then oh, that, sure. changes. that changes. That you know, and that's what's all. That's the that's the story with Carolina and and what he threw today. I mean, the Panthers website was streaming Cam Newton and, and Wallops just because he can throw a football today. Like that's the story every year for the last three years. Like, oh, Cam can throw a football, and, and like he's in. It's, it's really limited him so much in terms of being ready for the season and then at some point having some type of freaking injury that slows him down again. If he can stay healthy, then that changes everything. I just He just hasn't proven he can do that since 2015. Are, are you surprised they moved Darrell Williams to left guard? No, I'm not. That one caught me off guard a little bit. I know he missed essentially the entire year last year, but it seemed like he had, as an offensive tackle that still required help, right with protection it's not like he was a guy that they were consistently leaving on an island but was it more the other players that they had as options at tackle that prompted that move or was that because that's where they felt Williams was best I think they want Taylor Moton at that right tackle spot and he's been bounced around for two years now and like I think it's about getting him in a spot that he's comfortable and they can you know there's the long-term aspect there Darrell Williams on a one-year prove it they'll you know they, they had that big hole at left guard so to me it's about Taylor Moton's solidifying himself as a right tackle. They like Greg Lytle at left tackle. All right, Darrell Williams could best help this team at left guard. That's what I think it comes down to. Get get your best five on the field. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so before we go any further, I want to remind everybody to get this show every day. Subscribe to Draft Dudes on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and download Draft Dudes. Joe, Matty V, 
Yeah. Weekly take from Matty V. Chase Young and A.J. Epineza will both grade out higher than any pass rusher since the 2016 class not named Miles Garrett. Notable prospects since then include the Bosa's, Brian Burns, and Briley Chubb. So I need to do a lot more work on both of those players before I answer this. Maybe you're better equipped to take this one. But I know how much I love Joey Bosa. Um, and I'm, I mean, certainly I think that there's other players I like, Burns and Chubb. But I need to do more work to answer this. But I think it'd be hard for me to believe that I'd like a prospect more than Joey Bosa. What do you, I mean, okay. do you, what do you got here? So Yeah, so Chase Young – uh, phenomenal first step. He's the kind of pass rusher that like draft Twitter falls in love with every year, right? The, the super twitchy, bendy kind of lean build. Uh, he's built well. He's fairly stout along the line of scrimmage, but uh, I need to see a lot more diversity and I need to see more consistency stacking up blocks on the edge in the run game to put Chase Young in that stratosphere as a player. A.J. Epinesa is much more of a power style rusher. Um, He's got an okay first step. He's physically super stout. He's not overly bendy. I just need to see more counters out of him. I think too many times he gets guys uh, in three-quarter man instead of half-man situations as a pass rusher, and he doesn't really set up his rushes – when he wins, it's because he's in good positioning, but he doesn't know how to get into that good positioning, and he doesn't really have a very diverse palette of pass counters yet. So does, I would dis- I would disagree with with this take. Does Gross Matos belong in this discussion from Penn State? Um, or we're talking Big Ten pass rushers. He's he's a more athletically gifted version of Epinesa. Now I will say Epinesa is a better football player right now, but Gross Matos is has some really sudden short area movement skills. You watch the Maryland game. They tried to run jet on him a couple times and not block him. And the ground that he covered and the tackle radius that he has is just phenomenal. Is he a better athlete than young? No, but chase young's probably 15, 20 pounds lighter than. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh some pass Gross rushers Mato, in the Big Ten, man. Yeah, they, they've got a really exciting group this year, and I'm looking forward to see which one of these guys develops the most with his hands because that's going to be the key to which one of these guys I end up ranking the highest. And then Willikis at Michigan State as well. Mm. That's, no, 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 that's a different tier, it sounds like, based on the – Yeah, okay. he's, not, he's not in that stratosphere for me. I know he had a great year last year, uh, but he really thrived when he was you know, facing soft challenges. I think you get an offensive tackle in his grill. I don't. I don't see him winning a lot of reps with consistency yet. Kyle, this comes from Jake Stillwell. He says the Cowboys should take a chance and pass on paying Dak Prescott instead, investing in another rookie contract quarterback to ensure keeping their strong roster together. <laughs> hey, who the hell are you going to get? Who, who are you going to get as a team that's probably going to go eleven and five or better this year? It, it's the same. You've heard people say this about Jared Goff and the Rams. This is a real conversation that exists right now. I mean, dude, you got Dolphins fans who are sitting here freaking out thinking you might win four games and not get a rookie quarterback. You think you're getting <laughs> one with 11 or 12? Get the hell out of here. I disagree, Jake, with this take respectfully, of course. Um, I, I, if you've got a quarterback that you can have some conviction with, 
and you've built around that player, which Dallas has now done for the last few years, I can't justify, and it's such a shot in the dark, to not pay Dak and take a rookie quarterback not knowing what your asset is, especially when you're going to be picking late. Or you're going to mortgage your entire draft class and really cut off your roster building at the knees when a team like Dallas is so strapped for cap space, they need the cheap rookie contracts in volume. They can't be cutting them down for one player. Burden hands better than two in the bush, it sounds like, Kyle. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Now, give Dak another three or four years. If he's the same exact player, then you're in, entering into the purgatory territory and you got to move. <laughs> Yeah. But I don't think they're there yet because Dak, in the last two years, what? Dak's won 13 and, and 12 games or, or 12 and 11 games in two of the last three years? It means something, man. Yeah. Uh, that dude, Andy. Oh, no. Yeah, this is this is bad, Kyle. Old Town Road is straight trash, and anyone who likes it thinks defensive backs should wear numbers in the 40s. Surely that dude, Andy, was referring to the new re- newly released – Jesse James Decker version of Old Town Road because the one Wait, that's with a, that's a thing. Yeah, dude, check it out. It's bad. No, I prefer not to. Thanks though. But I, I look. I gave it a, I gave it a whirl. But the one with Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus is an elite song. It slaps. Last I, last I very good usage of the word slaps, Joe. Yeah. Um. Last I checked, John Lynch wore a number in the forties, didn't he? Yeah, that he's always going to be the the number. The the name. Yeah, he's the he's the one. He's what the number? One. Did, what number did uh, Ronnie Lott wear? Uh, third. Oh no, 42. 40, 42. Yeah. What about Mel Blount? He was pretty good, right? Was he in the forties? Forty-seven. I'm just not sure how the two things are connected. What liking number? Uh, Old Town Road and, and, and numbers in the 40s. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate where he's going with that, but Old Town well, Road is a great he song. He thinks they're both bad. And I agree that that corners with the number in the 40s are not good. But if you're a safety, you're just fine. So he can't say DBs. He's got to say corners. Should wear numbers in the 40s. Check out that Jesse De- James Decker. Deck, whatever her name is. Jesse James no, Decker. No, yeah, I you need not. to. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. Give me this. Give me this mantis toboggan tape. Mantis toboggan. He says. <laughs> <laughs> Two years from now, the Atlanta Falcons will have a top five offensive line because of Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarity. Oh man! All right, let me look at the entirety of the Falcons' offensive line because I don't want to say just because it has Caleb McGarry that it's going to be trash. All right. Jake Matthews, good. Alex Mack, good. Chris Lindstrom, good. James Carpenter's okay. Imagine if they would have got Cody Ford or Dalton Reisner. It would have been amazing. I will say this. It's probably going to be a very good offensive line in the next two years, and if Caleb McGarry does develop the way that the Falcons are obviously betting on that he will, uh, then kudos to the Falcons and kudos to Caleb, and it will be – a top shelf offensive line, but it could have been better because you could have had Cody Ford or Dalton Reiser. I'm not going to get off the wagon. Uh, Joe, take for you with some vocab, fittingly. Uh, Jerry Judy's overall 
Meliority will allow a team to take him in the top three, making him the highest drafted wide receiver since Megatron went number two in 2007. Uh, okay, so I looked up or while you were reading that the definition of, of this word. Well, okay, well, the problem is I spelled it exactly as Trevor gave it to us, and Google was telling me, did you mean definition of molarity, M-O-L-A-R-I-T-Y, and the word that he gave us is M-E-L-I-O-R-T-Y. Oh, I didn't spell it right. <laughs> Shut it. Shut it. Uh, okay, it means the quality or state of being better. Jerry, Judy's overall state of being better. He's better than everyone. Okay. I've learned a new word today. Thank you, Trevor. I do every Tuesday because of you. Um, you didn't know this one either, right? No, I was not familiar with that one. Oh. <laughs> All right. Here's, here's my hot take. I'm not going to say Jerry, Judy isn't worth a top three pick. But I do think that two of the top three picks will be Tua and Justin Herbert. And that leaves the field or Jerry Judy to be one of the top three picks. I'm going to take the field. I'll say that he will not be a top three pick. Mm, mm. He's really good, though, Joe. Okay. He's really good. But, we, I mean, the He's NFL. really, really good, Joe. All right. It's, we'll see. I'm, I mean, look, he's going to go in the top five. I'm just, look, he said specifically the top three. I gave a reasonable case that it won't happen. Do we know off the top of our head the last time that the first three, because you said quarterbacks were going two of the first three, that we had all offense in like the first three picks? Probably never happened. Who went third the year that uh, Goff and Wentz went one two? Uh, the... It's 2016 draft. All right, I got it up right now, 2016. The answer is Joey Bosa. Okay, so we dodged that bullet. What about the year before? We had uh, Jamison and fifteen. Yeah, Adante so Fowler. That... <laughs> Damn, uh, Amari Cooper had four though. Amari uh, Cooper. Oh, okay, that's oh. close. Okay. Oh, oh. See, it's going to be this? like it's going to be like Chase Young at three, and then Jerry Judy at four. Yeah, you want to give me this uh, take from the nut, the sports nut, the sports nut. Oh, this is great for you. Uh, this is going to be a big no. I can feel it. The sports nut says. Devonte Parker has a breakout year under the new staff and new quarterback and leads the AFC East in receiving yards in 2019 with the note that last year's division leader was Julian Edelman with an 850 yards. Kyle, let us have it, man. I, I guess my first question is, did Devonte Parker get a brain transplant or? Oh, a brain transplant, eh? It's, I mean, uh, a whole new mentality is the only way this guy's really going to get off the ground. This guy was a top 15 pick in 2015, and his career stats to date, 26 receptions for 494 yards and three touchdowns as a rookie, 56 catches for 744 yards and four touchdowns in 2016. Nice development. 57 catches for 670 yards in 2017 and one touchdown had Jay Cutler want to give him a little bit of a pass. And then this year, 24 receptions for 309 yards and a touchdown. He's still a single digit touchdowns after four years as a top 15 pick. And it's a lot of it is self-inflicted. A lot of it is poor preparations. He doesn't know. He has not known. I, I don't want to speak for him this year, 
because I know he's had a good camp, but he's had good training camps every year since he was drafted. Hasn't done a lot of preparations. Uh, They really got on his case at Miami about being late to team meetings and acting like a professional and eating the good kind of shit that's not going to like keep your body healthy and able to work for all 16 games. And then he's in Adam Gase's. So it's just like, it's so many strikes over the course of four years for me to, to just jump on and assume that this is the year he's going to be a volume receiver when he had 96 targets in 2017 and caught 51% of his passes. Or 59% of his passes. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong number. So, no, I don't think this happens. I think if he played to his physical potential, it could happen, but I don't think that it will because it hasn't yet. Last take of the day, Joe. Ty Smith. Willis and Bowman are the greatest middle linebacker pairing of all time. Willis is a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's spicy. Um, It might be, Kyle. That might be the best duo of of inside linebackers of all time. Uh, I guess like the Ravens, Ray Lewis, Peter Bolware was was really good. And Jamie Sharp were also in the mix there. Uh, I I don't. I mean, their stretch in the earlier this decade was really really special. Um, might be might be the best best middle linebacker pair of all time. And the question is, Patrick Willis and uh, a Hall of Famer, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Did he play? He's a six six time All Pro. He played from 2007 to 2014. He's a six time All Pro. Seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, 2009 Buckus Award winner, and 2007 Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yep, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's as that's as decorated of a career as you can have for what he play nine seasons. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, uh, eight years. Six-time all six-time All Pro in eight years. A seven-time Pro Bowler. Yep. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yep. Yep. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So, what's that next year then? Yeah, I'm buying every bit of this take, Ty. Who I I don't know. If there's a, I can't name a better duo. I can't. I'm buying it all. Now I got a hot take for you. All right. Which would have been better, the current pairing that was just proposed to you? of Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, right? Mm-hmm. Or Patrick Willis and Chris Borland had he not called it a career after his rookie season. I'll go with I'll go with uh, Bowman because I think he's more physically gifted. Borland was so good. He was, but <laughs> the eight like, game stretch when he was just unbelievable. He had a half of a ham sandwich and then that was it, you know? So what do you mean? What do you mean half a ham sandwich? Because you know how people say you had a ham sandwich or a cup of coffee, and then that was it. He didn't even take. You know, he didn't even drink a full glass. Yeah, he did a did a half a year, and that was yeah. it. So I play. I played in the NFL, which good for him. You know, he, he kind of knew what his priorities were, and he knew it was a dream of his, and he got to play, and he was a monster. And he said, "No, check the box. Time for something else." That'll be all. That'll be all for us, Joe. Thanks for the setup there on the segue. <laughs> You know I love my good segues. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of The Dudes. 
We'll be back again tomorrow with another show. Make sure, again, you download to the Himalaya podcast app. Subscribe to Draft Dudes on there. You're driving around town. You can tell your smart device to play Draft Dudes, and it'll play it right there for you in the car. Really nice perk. We will talk with you guys again tomorrow. Kyle Krabs signing off with Mr. Joe Marino. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.